So as our team starts to come by and uh, we give, I'll just remind you that God's doing big things in our church, and it's through you. Uh, thank you for inviting your friends and family to church. In the last two weeks, we've seen 31 people give their life to Jesus in our service. Come on, you got to do better than that. Come on. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. And that's because you invite, you pray for your friends and family who are lost. Uh, I believe it's because you live your life out as a living declaration of God's goodness in your lives. So that's why people see that and they're drawn to Jesus in you. Uh, so through this church, many lives are being changed and it's our privilege to be a part of that. Uh, we do it by serving, by giving, uh, by praying for one another, by living together and prioritizing our gathering as a church family. So I believe the best is yet to come for our church. And I believe God's going to do even greater things in the days and years ahead. Do you believe it? Yeah. Amen. Well, God is good. And we are going to continue our series today, Live Like a King. God wants you to live like royalty, which is what you are through Jesus. We've been made royalty as we've been adopted into God's family. So you are royalty. And I hope that feels good because it is good. All right. So we've been studying the life of David, who was the greatest king in the history of Israel. And we're going to continue today part two of what we started with last week, which was looking at the battle between David and Goliath. Last week, we talked about how to fight like a king. And fighting is important. That's just kind of a part. We have an enemy that we're in a battle against, and we're struggling, and we have to fight sometimes. We feel like life is a fight. But it's not that good to fight if you don't learn how to win. Amen? So today we're going to talk about how to win like a king. Are you ready for this? Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can go there in your Bible or uh, follow along on the screen. It says this. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head as promised. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We receive it. We want to apply it to our hearts. We want to be more like Jesus and live in the fullness of life that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a story about uh, a guy named Jimmy Smith who lived in 
he lives in New Jersey. Uh, and in 2017, the radio and news stations in the region there of New York and New Jersey started broadcasting this message and saying, hey, somebody has won the lottery and not yet claimed the prize. And the ticket that won is about to expire in two days. So please, folks, check your uh, glove boxes and, and drawers and see if you have this ticket, because the prize of $24 million was waiting to be claimed. Jimmy remembered that he had a bunch of lottery tickets stuffed in his pocket upstairs. He went upstairs and checked the tickets, found out he had the winning ticket. He went and he claimed his prize just a few hours before it would have expired. And can you think how sad it would have been? How gut-wrenchingly sick would it make you to know that you missed out on $24 million, you had won a prize, but you never claimed it, right? And now I don't endorse playing the lottery personally. I think it's a waste of money because for every Jimmy Smith, there are 100 million loser McGee's. So you don't want to be loser McGee. Uh, statistically, you're more likely to get struck by lightning twice than you are to win the lottery. But when I think about missing out on a king's fortune because you just didn't know you had won, well, that's, that's sad as well, right? And I think that would be tragic. But honestly, I started thinking about how tragic it would be for you as a follower of Jesus to live your life with the mindset of defeat even though you have received victory, you have already won through Jesus, and God wants you to live in that victory, right? You need to know it, and you need to claim it. And so today I want to talk to you about how to win like a king. If you want to live in the victory that God has given you, not with the mindset of defeat, you've got to win like a king. So I'm going to give you a few key things that will help you with that. You can take these uh, down as notes to look at later, and uh, I'm gonna encourage you to do that in your phone or in your notebooks, write these down. Here's the first thing you need to do. You need to know which name matters. Yep. Know which name matters. Goliath the giant, we read, he started to make fun of David. He was laughing at him. He was mocking him. <laughs> he was so small. He was telling him, you know, mama jokes. He was cussing him out, I think. And we read in this passage that he cursed David by the names of his gods. He cursed David by the names of his gods. Now, I read that, and it made me start to think, you know, curses and these gods and everything. And, and I thought about how a lot of Christians today, uh, they've seen things about Satanists and the occult, and you watch a lot of horror movies, and, and maybe you've wondered, like, well, can curses from witchcraft hurt me? Uh, would a, a, a Satanist be able to cast a spell on me as a Christian? Could a demon attack me or, or uh, possess me as a Christian? And I don't know if you've seen some scary movies and it's caused you to be afraid. Maybe you've watched some of those shows where houses are haunted and you've said, man, we need to get come, Pastor Ryan to come pray for our house because it's, it's haunted up in here. And I'm like, yo, it's Arizona. The temperature cools. The house creaks. It's very easy to allow fear to come into our lives and creep in where it doesn't belong. And we read about how Goliath cursed David by the names of his gods. Now, as I read, read this passage, I'm, I'm kind of just, you know, taking this all in. One of the things that stands out to me is, you know, well, 
well, who are his gods? What are the names of his gods? And we're not really told because in the words of the prophet Dwayne the Rock Johnson, it doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> there is only one true God, and his name is the name above all other names. False gods have no power. False gods have no power over those who fight in the name of the living God. Amen? Amen? So as a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And that flame burns brightly to the point where no power of darkness can touch you or have power over you. You have nothing to fear if the enemy curses you in the name of any false god, demon, or whatever, because you serve the living God. David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. All right, so David was cursed by the name of false gods whose names we don't know because they don't matter. David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And you need to realize that that word Lord there in Hebrew, it is the proper name of God, his actual name. His name, like my name is Ryan. God's name in Hebrew properly is the letters Y-H-W-H, Y-H-W-H. There's no vowels in, in the name that we're given. And so we don't really know exactly how it was pronounced. Uh, you might have grown up in church hearing it pronounced Jehovah. And now most Bible scholars say that's probably not right. That's actually probably a German pronunciation of the Latin transliteration of YHWH. Probably the most accurate translation of God's name or pronunciation, I should say, is Yahweh or something like that. Uh, and that is the proper name of God revealed in his word. David said, okay, but I come to you in the name of Yahweh, the Lord of heaven's armies, the one God above all gods, the only God whose opinion matters, the only God who has the final word, the only God who can make a difference in this situation. So you don't need to fear curses from false gods. You need to know which name matters. You need to know that no matter what other names people might use to describe you, the only thing that matters is what the Lord says about you. And he has already named you his child. You are a child of God. You are saved. You are redeemed. You are his. So know which name matters, the Lord's name and the name that he gives you. Amen? You need to know which name matters. Here's the next thing you need to know. Recognize the power of your weapons. Recognize the power of the weapons that you have. How many remember the movie Men in Black? I like that movie, I thought it was really funny. Uh, Will Smith gets his first weapon as a man in black, and it was called the Noisy Cricket. It was this tiny little gun. And he was like, seriously, this is my, this is my gun this tiny? And then he actually fired it, and it threw out this humongous laser blast that threw him backwards into a wall, right? And the point was like, the Noisy Cricket is very noisy. Like, little weapons can be very powerful. You think about little tiny insects with little tiny stingers that can still send you to the hospital or even kill you. You, right little things can be powerful simple things can be powerful you need to understand the power of your weapons Goliath had weapons and we read that he had a sword and a spear and a javelin okay so the javelin was for throwing long-distance fighting the spear was for kind of medium distance thrusting and the sword would have been his close quarters combat weapon and, and for a nine-foot-tall giant you need a pretty tall sword as well, a big sword. And uh, he was well equipped. I mean, this guy 
he was tacked out, right? He had everything in the kitchen sink in there, armor, sword, spear, javelin, probably nunchucks too. I don't know. He had it all. And so we read about that, and, and we see that he's so well-equipped, and, and honestly, it's a little bit scary to me. It's a little bit uh, concerning for David, because King Saul tried to give him some armor and some weapons, but he wasn't having it. He said, those aren't really going to work for me, because I'm not used to fighting in armor like this, and I don't know how to do it. And we talked last week about how you have to fight in your own armor, not in King, Saul arm, King Saul's armor. God has given you gifts that you need to use. You can't be someone else. You are you. And God made you with the gifts and talents that he gave you. And so you have to be willing to be you, right, and fight with the gifts that he's given you. Uh, the way that David said, I can't fight with your armor, David went into battle with a much more simple set of weaponry. It says in verse 40, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream. Five stones, because I guess if you only took one, that'd be cocky, right? Uh, then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Man, when you read that, it seems like he's a little bit under-equipped, doesn't it? Have you ever felt under-equipped for life? Have you ever felt like you don't have what you need to be successful? That maybe you've even felt like you're not good enough or that you're not smart enough or you just aren't gonna get those breaks or you don't deserve to marry someone who loves God or you don't know how to raise your kids and you don't have what it takes to get ahead. Maybe you felt under-equipped. Well, I want you to learn from David. First, we read that he went into battle with a shepherd's staff, okay? He had a shepherd's staff. Now, I want you to first think about this. Goliath has a sword, and David has a shepherd's staff. Sword, shepherd's staff. I'm feeling nervous for David, right? Like, I would not want to go into battle with a wooden stick against a guy who's got swords and javelins and spears and shield bearers and armor and everything. But David went into battle with this shepherd's staff, and I don't know what he was planning on doing it, doing with it in there. Like, as he's going, I mean, I, I'm sure the other Israelites were like, well, this kid's going to get killed, man. Like, someone starts to write the letter to his dad. I don't know if he was planning on, you know, using it like one of the Ninja Turtles, right? Like, oh, you know, it's like bow staff. Like, I don't know. But he had a shepherd's staff. And I don't know if he was planning to fight with it, but I, I, I think, I have a suspicion. I wonder if God did not ordain that David would carry this shepherd's staff into battle to remind us thousands of years later that in every fight and every storm you face, the great shepherd Jesus is there with you, that he goes before you, and that he fights your battles. So David had this shepherd's staff, which reminds us, I think, that we're not alone, and then he had a sling, and a sling was a simple weapon, but it was very effective. And the way you would use it is you'd put a stone in a pouch and then you'd start to swing it and you would get up the speed and then you'd release the stone. And a sling could actually throw a deadly projectile further than an archer could fire an arrow. Uh, but a sling was actually more complicated and difficult to master than it was to master archery. And so in some cultures they would give a child a sling as his first toy so that he would start to learn to use the sling because it, was, it wasn't easy. I mean, if I start swinging this thing around and I was going to fire a stone, like, you should be happy if you're in Ahwatukee right now because the people in Mesa, 
It's like a, we got liability insurance for things like this, right? And I mean, I'd be more likely to kill you than kill Goliath. You know what I'm saying? And so David goes into battle with this sling. And it was a simple weapon, but it was effective if you practice and if you knew how to use it. And I think about how David, when he was out in the fields taking care of sheep, waiting for God's timing to come through for him, waiting for God to do something in his life and lift him up from that position taking care of sheep. All he had to do out there was sing to sheep, count sheep, and I think mess around with the sling, right? That's what I would have been doing. Like, he would have been out there just like, all right, let's see if I can hit that tree over there, right? And then he, he'd be like, hey, man, betting his friend, like, you know, okay, I bet I can, I bet I can get that bird, right? Like, we're going to eat that bird for lunch, right? And, like, I, I think he was just practicing because he didn't have a lot to do out there besides just practice this thing with the sling. And all those years practicing with the sling, being bored and waiting for God, it was actually preparing him him for the battle that was coming. It was giving him proficiency with the tools that he would have available so that when the day came and he let it fly, it only took one stone to hit the giant in the forehead. I want you to understand, you might feel under-equipped. You might feel like you don't have a fancy education. You might say, I don't even understand that much about the Bible, but God has given you spiritual weapons to use in this life. He has given you weapons that will lead you into victory and battle, but you gotta become proficient with them and you need power. So you gotta practice. You gotta practice with these weapons. A couple of the weapons you gotta practice with are prayer and the word of God. Those are some of your, your weapons. So you gotta practice praying. You realize that? If you only wait to pray until the crap hits the fan, you're not going to be effective with the weapon of prayer. If you just wait till your kid's sick and in the hospital, if you just wait till you can't pay your bills, you're not going to be effective with the weapon of prayer. You've got to practice prayer. You've got to talk to God. Just talk to him like he's your friend because he is. Just tell him, I'm having a good day right now. Thanks. You're awesome, God. I'm having a rough day right now. Could really use some help. Lord, help me right now. I, would, I need to be a good husband. Help me right now, God. I don't know how to raise this kid in this moment. Lord, thank you for what you're doing through my church. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in my family. God, I pray for my neighbors. I pray for my family. I pray for my church, God. Even pray for your pastor, right? And like, you're gonna start to find that God gives you proficiency with these weapons. You need to practice with the word of God. You know that? You don't have to have it memorized. You probably couldn't memorize it even if you wanted to because that's pretty much impossible. But you need to become familiar with it. You need to become familiar enough with the word of God that you can recognize the lies of the enemy. You have to know what the word of God says enough that you are not going to be led astray by any false teaching. The Bible warns you that false teachers will come, especially in the end days, and lead many people away from the path to salvation to eternal damnation. And if you don't know the word of God, you are leaving yourself vulnerable to the enemy who wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. So I would say practice with that weapon. And then there's another weapon you need to know about the sword of the spirit. We talk about it in Ephesians, right? The Holy Spirit within you, it is him who provides power for the fight. 
He provides the power. And remember, we read in previous weeks that the Spirit of God came upon David. The Spirit of God provided power for David so that he wasn't just a really good dude with a sling, right? He wasn't just a deadly slinger. He had the power of the Holy Spirit, which made that one stone all the more effective. You need the Holy Spirit inside of you. And I say, don't just settle for a little Holy Spirit. Ask God for more of his Spirit. Jesus told the disciples in Acts to wait until power would come upon them so that they could be effective witnesses. If you want to be effective for God in your life, if you want to have victory in the battle that is before you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He enables you to do what you could not do in your own strength. If you have the power of God and proficiency with the skills and tools that he's given you, you will be effective and unstoppable for the Lord. Amen. David also shows us an important principle, and this is the third thing. I want you to write this down. You've got to learn to claim total victory. Claim total victory. Watch this. Verse 46, David says, today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. I want you to notice something. He claimed victory before he saw victory. You might be going through something in your life right now. You might be in the middle of a storm. You might feel surrounded and overwhelmed. But I believe that you can start to claim victory before you even see the victory manifest. And that's an important thing that we all need to learn. And we actually, I think, need to master this. We need to start to do, it's not just positive talk. It's not just positive thinking, right? That's kind of superstitious and new age. This is biblical thinking. It's positively remembering that you have victory through Jesus Christ. You've got to claim this total victory. And here's how we see David play this out. He had his sling and he let that stone fly. The stone hits Goliath in the forehead right in the middle. Poof. And the dude falls down face first onto the ground. Bigger they are, harder they fall. Timber! Boof! Right? But that wasn't the end of the fight. David probably was there thinking like, it worked. I hit him. Whew. And then I think he heard the Holy Spirit speak to him. Finish him! That's, I think that's what it sounded like, right? <laughs> so in verse 51, we read, then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath and he used it to kill him and cut off his head. So David's a little guy. Goliath has a big sword. He pulls that thing out, right? And he's like, oh yeah, you ain't making a comeback, son. This thing is over. And so he, he like lifts it up and I'm sure it's like probably a little too big, right? And he comes back, push. And I'm sure every guy there was watching, it was like, whoo, oh. And David, you know, he wasn't really used to using a sword, so it probably took like more than one chop. You know, like, ah, here we go, whoosh, right? And everybody's just like, ha, and blood splattering and everything. And he's like, ha, 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 total victory, right? I feel like you need a visual for this moment, right? I feel like. You needed to put yourself in the moment. Because listen, when you hoist up the head of the enemy, nobody is wondering who just won that fight. 
He's not getting back up after an eight count. It's over. You killed him. And some of you, you live your lives like the devil is the terminator, right? You live your life like he's just going to keep coming after me, and I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to escape. I'm just trying to make it through another day. You need to remember David hoisting up the head of that enemy, lifting it up in total victory. He didn't just knock Goliath out. He took him out all the way. He cut his head off, and he ended the fight for good. Right? And that's the way that we need to live as Christians. I think, I think David was going around and he was like probably playing with Goliath's head, like scaring his friend. Boo! Like, like, you know, it's like, like you're like there eating dinner and he's just kind of like, hey, what's going on? Like, ah, right? Like, and like, to win or not to win, right? Like, I don't, know what he, I don't know what he was doing, but he claimed total victory. And you need to know that the minute Jesus came out of that grave, he achieved total victory on your behalf. There is no more discussion. There is no more wondering. You might go through some stuff still, but you already have victory. So when the enemy is threatening you, when you feel under attack, you can say, well, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies who has already conquered you, and I'm going to kill you and cut your head off. the way." And you might be like, but Pastor Ryan, Jesus said to turn the other cheek. David ain't Jesus. He cut that fool's head off, right? And I think we need to live in the same type of total victory. David's decapitation of Goliath, it takes me back to Genesis 3.15. When the serpent snuck into the garden and tempted Adam and Eve to sin and led them into temptation, which brought the curse of sin and death into the world. This is bad for humanity. But right there in that moment, God said, I'm going to send a savior. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Another way of understanding this kind of put your mind around it is just he's basically saying the savior is going to come. He's talking about Jesus. And you're going to hurt him a little bit as he's in the process of crushing your head. Right? And that's what we saw play out with Jesus, that he took some blows, he took some wounds, he even went into the grave, but he came out again, and he has achieved total victory over sin and death, and at the end of time, according to God's plan, he is going to send the enemy, the devil, and all of his demons, and everyone who follows him into the lake of fire for all eternity, and there will be no more sin, there will be no more enemy, the enemy has been defeated. So I think David, you know, he cut that head off. And my theory as I read this is like him cutting that head off. And he's like, I'm going to take this thing with me, right? Like, I, I, I want a souvenir of this moment because this is pretty epic, right? So I think David was just like going around with this thing. And, and he eventually probably went home to Bethlehem to see his family. And, you know, they probably were like, bro, how'd it go? What's going on at the battle, you know, front? Like, we've been waiting for news. And, and I could just imagine the conversation that David had. He probably was loving this moment, you know. Well, I uh, showed up. Up and there was this guy, Goliath, taunting God's people, you know? And uh, I was like, that's not cool. Someone should do something about this. And all the guys there were like, yeah, but we're scared. We, 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 we can't fight him. He's so big and we're so small. And Dave was like, come on, man, step up. I'll fight him. Sure, why not? And so, you know, I got called to King Saul's tent and King Saul was like, here, take my sword, take my, my armor. And I was like, no thanks. I don't need it. Uh, and so I just fought the enemy with my sling because you know how good I am and uh, knocked him down, cut his head off with his own sword. And, uh, you know, I don't have to pay taxes ever again and get to marry the king's daughter. Pretty cool, right? You can just imagine his dad sitting there like, son, you are way too old to be telling stories like this. 
cutting off giants' heads. And, and oh, you mean this head, right? Like, he's just like, how you like me now, right? Because I think when he told the stories about killing lions and bears, they were probably like, yeah, right. You know, so he's like, I'm bringing back proof of this one. Like, no one's going to question this story. I got a souvenir. <laughs> That's, that's what I think happened. I, I, think about how, I think about how Jimmy Smith won the lottery but didn't know it and how there are so many Christians who live their lives like they don't know they've already won the battle through Jesus. The battle is over. We have achieved victory in Jesus' name. But maybe your life is so hard. Maybe, maybe you feel like, oh, I'm really going through some things. But listen, you get to say to the enemy, I am going to conquer you through Jesus who has overcome you. I might be going through some things, but I know who I am. I know what God has done, and I know what he says about me. So I am going to win like a king. Amen? So here are three things you need to do in order to claim total victory. First, you need to stop playing with sin and kill it. Stop playing around with it. Stop letting it make a comeback. Stop living in fear of it and cut off its head and kill it, right? And so often I think Christians allow sin to linger in their homes. Sometimes they keep sin around like a little pet, a little pet sin, right? You know, like, and the problem with pet sin is once in a while it'll bite you, right? And once in a while it can, can really hurt, it can really start to hurt you. If you want to have victory, you have to stop playing with it and kill it, end it. This is a biblical truth. It's a biblical principle from Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, so put to death the sinful nature, uh, the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. So don't let sin linger. Overcome that addiction through the power of the Holy Spirit. Vanquish that spirit of greed, which has made you selfish and ungenerous, right? Kill that critical thinking and that critical talking and that gossip that you've been allowing to exist in your home. Uh, don't let it linger. Don't keep that pet sin around anymore. Don't think that secret pornography addiction is not actually there just because you delete your browser history. God still sees it, right? He still wants you to be healthy. He still wants you to be whole. He wants you to have total victory over sin. You might have knocked it down. You might have good moments, but you need to cut off its head and kill it and say, it's dead. We have already achieved victory through Jesus, but we have to live our lives in alignment with that victory and choose to put that sin to death. This is what the word of God says. This is how we win like a king. Second, stop listening to the enemy's threats and remember God's word. Stop listening to the threats and lies of the enemy and remember what God said. Uh, Goliath had a lot to say, didn't he? He had a lot of threats. He had a lot of curses. He had a lot of things that he was trying to say to shame David. And we have an enemy today who lies and who threatens and who attempts to speak fear into your heart. And you need to remember the word of God, starting with John chapter eight, where Jesus said, the devil is a liar and the father of lies. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. So you need to know that the devil, he wants to uh, 
bring fear into your heart. He wants to shame you over your past and the mistakes that you've made, maybe before you met Jesus or since you met Jesus. He wants to speak fear to your heart and tell you, oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, your kids are going to turn out terrible. Oh, your marriage is going to fall apart. Oh, you can't trust him because you know what people did before to you, right? And he will say these things, and you have to stop listening to those things, right? Remember, David cut off Goliath's head, right? The enemy can't give a lot of threats when you cut off his head, amen? So like, that's the way that we need to live uh, in the battle that we face on a day-to-day basis, right? We need to be victorious and remember what God's word says. The word of God says, the enemy cannot shame you because Jesus has washed away every sin that you have ever committed, that you commit right now, and that you will commit in the future. So the moment that you blow it, the moment that you experience a mistake or a sin in your life, you can stop and say, God, I repent of this. I confess that I've sinned. I ask for your forgiveness. I'm continuing on in victory, in your grace, and the full uh, acceptance of your love, I'm not going to live in shame. It's forgotten in my mind the way that it's forgotten in your mind. You get to tell the enemy, you cannot cause me to fear because I know who God says I am. I know the victory that I've achieved through Jesus. I know that I've already won. So I'm going to live like it. Don't listen to the lies, threats, and shame of the enemy. Remember the word of God. Third, stop living like a loser and start living like a victor. Some people live their lives like losers, even though God has already given them victory. And again, I'm not just talking about like positive thinking, right? Like, I will get a Ferrari. I will get a Ferrari, right? I'm talking about living your life like a victor. A loser lives with a defeated mindset, the mindset of a servant, a slave. David was a a young, lowly boy, but he was elevated into a position of royalty by God in the same way that we have been elevated from slaves to sin to royalty through Jesus. Don't live with the mindset of a slave. Don't live with the mindset of a loser. A a loser goes around reliving the battle, uh, reliving the moments where he lost, remembering those moments where he was hurt. Stop reliving all the blows you took right? Don't go through those moments again and again where someone just hurts you and insulted you. You can stop living that moment out where that person left you or where you blew it. That moment is over, right? You have been made victorious. I love 1 Corinthians. It says this in chapter 15, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I need to remember. I am victorious through Jesus. So let God help you to live in victory. Let him heal your past wounds. He can help you to trust people again. Let him set you free from the bondage of addiction. He can set you free in a more effective way than you could ever become free in your own strength. Let him set you up to be successful. Allow yourself to live in that victory. Victors talk differently than losers, don't they? Losers say, oh man, I'm overwhelmed. Victors say, I've overcome through Jesus. Victors react differently to problems than losers. When a loser is facing a problem, he's like, I'm going to retreat. I'm going to run. Let's hide. Grab your kids. Grab your wife because they're murdering everyone out there. A victor says, I don't hide. I charge. I'm going to run to the enemy. I'm going to take the fight to him because I know I've got the victory. And this is what we read in verse 51. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. 
Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The enemy saw Goliath fall down, and they said, uh-oh, this isn't good. I think the Spirit of God swept through their ranks and confused their hearts and brought fear to them. So even though they were a superior force and they had superior weaponry, they fled away. If that little guy can take out our Philistine champion, then what are the rest of those full-grown guys going to do to us, right? And so they ran. They ran back home, all the way back to Gath, where they were from, to the gates of Ekron. And I think we got to remember that the enemy's bark is louder than his bite. We don't have to fear the enemy of God. He's trying to cause you to fear so that you won't live in the victory that God has given you. We need to say, I'm going to chase the enemy out of my life. I'm going to chase the enemy out of my city. We can take back ground from the enemy. We don't go back. We don't hide. We don't retreat. We charge. We take territory. We bring the light of Jesus into the darkest places because we have victory. We say, man, I'm coming into those broken and messy situations. I'm going to come into that moment and bring Jesus. I'm going to come to my family members who are hopeless and hurting and bring Jesus because he's going to give me victory. I'm going to go to my community and my neighbors to my workplace and live like a victor because God has given me victory. I'm not running. I'm not hiding. I'm going forward. Amen. Amen. Here in Mesa, Ahwatukee, let's bow our heads and take a moment. The first and most important way that you can experience victory is by giving your life to Jesus, being forgiven of your sins, and adopted into God's family. The way that we do this and experience this is by calling on God, asking him to save us, recognizing that Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross for our sins and who rose again. And the Bible says that when you believe that, by faith, you will be saved. And this is a gift that comes from God. It's nothing that we can earn. We don't deserve it. We don't achieve it by going through classes or going on a missions trip. It's simply a gift of grace. That's how good God is. And he asks us to accept him and to accept this gift of salvation, but many people reject it, and they spend their whole lives rejecting it and telling God, no, leave me alone. I want to ask you and invite you to instead open the door and accept him, to invite Jesus into your life, and to receive this gift of salvation, which gives you victory. So if you're ready to do that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I want you just to pray this with me. Just say, God, I need your help. I've sinned, and I need forgiveness. I believe that you sent your son Jesus into this world to take my place on the cross and pay the price for my sins. You did this because you loved me so much. And I believe that he came up out of that grave. He rose again, giving me victory over sin and death so that I could live victoriously for you. I thank you for loving me. Even though I don't deserve it, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet in both locations right now. We're going to get ready to respond to this message. And I'm celebrating with those of you who accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. But I I thought today that we could take a time to respond in a special way to this message. I, I think that there's something powerful sometimes about responding physically to what's happening inwardly. And I believe that sometimes we need to step out of our comfort zone and we need to physically move in a way of responding to what God has done moving inside of us. 
So what I'm going to do today is a little different. We don't always do this, but I'm going to invite you all to come forward, anybody who wants to. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable with that, you can just stay where you're at. But I'm just going to invite you to come forward uh, as part of this church body. We're going to move in a minute here to the front of the room in Mason and Nahuatuki. And we're going to take some extended time to worship the Lord and to pray as God's people. Sometimes I think as a body of Christ, God will do really powerful things when we just take an extra minute to stop and give him an opportunity, to give him an opening, to open ourselves up to him and say, God, I want you to work in me and do something in me today. We serve a living God. He is alive and he wants to move in your heart today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you forward. And this is for anyone who says, I need God's help to live in victory. I need God's help to break free from addiction. I need God's help to break out of a defeated mindset and ex instead accept a mindset of victory. And if that's you, then, then this is gonna be a good moment for you. Or if you're someone who says, I need God's power, I don't feel like I can do this on my own. Well, good news, you can't do it on your own, but God has supplied the power that you need. Power is available to you. You have the Holy Spirit as a Christian, but you can receive more power. And that's why Jesus told his disciples to wait in just a few days, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's how we receive power to be effective for ministry. And some of you have been praying for that and asking God to fill you with his spirit. Maybe you've already had that experience, but guess what? We need to be filled again and again. As we pour ourselves out and as we live our lives, we need God to get filled up, start to worship, and we're gonna start to pray. Uh, we're going to have our worship team at the front of the room, so if you need someone to pray with you, uh, they'll pray with you specifically, but you can pray where you're at and just start to talk to God in your own words, and we're just going to take this time to worship him. So if you're staying in your seats, continue to worship there and just lift your voice to God as we sing.